Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dazinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. If you're just joining us, we have been working our way through Gottman's Sound Marital House, which I'll link for you in the show notes, and we've been discussing in detail how to apply those principles to build a stronger marriage. In episode 66, we talked about committing to each other, but today we're talking about committing to the covenant of marriage. My goal for this episode is first to walk you through two commitments to marriage in today's society that have influenced the way we've done marriage in the church, and second, to explain what it really means to commit to the covenant of marriage. Okay, so diving right in, there are two ways of approaching marriage in our society today that have influenced marriage in Christian culture, yet have largely gone unchallenged. And those two approaches are a commitment to the institution of marriage and a commitment to personal fulfillment in marriage. Professors Jack and Judith Balswick at Fuller Seminary simply refer to them as traditional marriage versus modern marriage. So a commitment to the institution is a traditional approach, whereas a commitment, or more accurately a contract, of personal fulfillment is a modern approach. Now, before I explain what these two commitments to marriage look like, I want to explain one more thing. In every cultural context, there will be those who are committed to a traditional model of marriage and those who buy into a modern approach to marriage. So the pendulum continues to swing back and forth in every society, while our job as Christians is to faithfully do our marriages in ways that point people to the gospel, that point people to a better way to live than either what culture has traditionally held up or what it's moving toward in the modern era. So keep that in mind as we continue. In traditional marriages today, allegiance lies with the institution itself rather than with God and with each other. Partners in traditional marriages view marriage as a moral good, a construct that's beneficial for communities and societies, which, when lived out the way God intended, it is. But where traditional marriages fall short is that they idolize the institution itself as defined within a particular cultural context. In other words, they idolize marriage, not the God who created it or his intentions for it, but simply the construct of marriage for marriage's sake. Traditional marriages are good at maintaining principles like duty, sacrifice, and obligation, but bad at mutual submission and empowerment. Now, here's what traditional marriages are based on in our cultural context. At the end of World War II, there was a 10-year period before Vietnam, and one part of America was desperate for structure and stability, while another part of America was desperate for change, as we'll get to with modern marriages. But the part that was desperate for structure and stability took to cultivating marriage and families that attempted to look like a Leave it to Beaver model, which on TV looks great, right? That was the 1950s model of marriage. But in reality, a lot of these marriages were very distant rather than intimate and very dutiful rather than relationship-oriented. In modern marriages, on the other hand, allegiance lies with the self rather than with God or each other. Partners in modern marriages view marriage as a means to self-actualization and happiness at the same time, which in a modern marriage today is dependent upon one's partner being their soulmate and quote-unquote completing them. 
right? So already this model is a little bit doomed because self-actualization requires a degree of independence, but happiness fulfilled by another human requires a degree of codependency. So the goals of modern marriage are actually somewhat competing. Nonetheless, this approach to marriage becomes nothing more than a quid pro quo arrangement where the sentiment is, I'll scratch your back as long as you scratch mine, and only so long as it keeps feeling good to me, you keep meeting my needs, and causing me to flourish. And of course, we want both partners to flourish in a marriage, but where modern marriages fall short is that they idolize the self. So philosophically, if both people agree to this, they can be good at meeting each other's needs, dreams, and aspirations, but bad at self-sacrifice and perseverance and suffering, which is an inevitable part of the human experience. And here's what modern marriages are based on in this cultural context. Remember that part of America that I talked about earlier that was desperate for change? The part for whom leave-it-to-be-for marriages didn't work or were even oppressive? Well, in that part of America, key players rose up to lead the civil rights and the women's rights movements of the 1960s and 70s, which were empowering to so many Americans and culturally needed. But with the introduction of the birth control pill in 1960 and no-fault divorce in 1970, relationships understandably evolved, or some would say devolved, to be rather self-centered and noncommittal. So, no matter which way you lean, No matter which view you're biased toward, there's always going to be tradition and there's always going to be progress. And what I'm trying to help you understand is that neither model of marriage is scriptural. Neither is a picture of the gospel or of the way that Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. And though he was great and strong and powerful, he chose to humble himself for our sake, for the privilege of our being co-laborers and co-heirs in the kingdom of God and enjoying everlasting life with him in heaven. And in turn, because of his love, we, his church or his bride, right, gladly surrender our lives and submit to him because he demonstrated that he's fully trustworthy and 100% for our good. Think about that for a second. That's a relationship, a covenant relationship, marked by love, trust, self-sacrifice, freedom, service, and empowerment. So as Christians, our commitment is not to a seemingly biblical but not really culturally irrelevant institution, nor is our commitment to a seemingly enlightened but not really culturally relevant contract. Instead, as believers, our commitment is covenantal. And the point of a covenant marriage is to point people to Jesus, to his heart and his way of doing relationship with us. So what does a covenant marriage look like and how do we begin living that out? Well, in Jack and Judith Balswick's book, A Model for Marriage, which I'll link to in the show notes, they devote a chapter to covenant marriage and their principles are what I'm drawing from today. First, a covenant marriage is an intimate marriage. Because without covenantal commitment to God and to each other, without a promise till death do us part, it's psychologically impossible to develop the degree of intimacy God desires for our marriages. Because psychological safety, emotional security, and trust between partners precedes intimacy, emotionally and sexually. Second, a covenant marriage is a grace-filled marriage. Our understanding of God's covenant love for us is what helps us understand how to emulate grace. 
how to forgive each other when our natural inclination is to hold a grudge, how to accept each other when our natural inclination is to feel like our way is the right way, and how to appreciate our differences rather than shame each other for them because we understand that being different, not the same, is what leads to true unity in the body of Christ because there is no unity without differentiation. And third, a covenant marriage is a mutually empowering marriage. And it's mutually empowering not because one or both partners are focused on serving themselves, but because both are focused on serving each other. And this doesn't come very naturally to us. But Jesus amazingly modeled dying to self and using his power and privilege and position to empower So through his example and the help of the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need to do the same for each other. So that's the type of marriage we're committed to, regardless of whatever has been traditionally upheld or progressively fought for. So to maintain a commitment to marriage as a covenant really requires some thoughtfulness, a deconstruction of some of our previously unchallenged assumptions about Christian marriage and a parsing out of ideas to see in what ways have my positions on marriage been traditionally informed versus modernly informed versus scripturally informed. And some of you may find that you've unintentionally committed to a tangled mess of all three. So the work is really shifting our mindsets from marriage is about me to marriage is truly about we, from God hates divorce, period, see Malachi 2.16, to God also hates arrogance and evil and false witnesses. See Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, which, by the way, are all about his righteousness, not about our false sense of our own. And it's about shifting our mindsets from marriage is the ultimate way to live and do life to marriage is one way to live and is a gift to be stewarded like everything else for his glory. So your action step for today is to consider these three questions. Number one, what elements of a traditional marriage have I committed to? And what elements of a modern marriage have I let creep into the way I view it? Number two, how have these led to my settling for a less than intimate, mutually empowering, grace-filled, life-giving marriage? And three, what needs to change in my heart, mindset, and or behavior? What do I need to do to align myself with a covenant marriage? Okay, in whatever is coming to mind for you right now, my prayer is that this moment would mark a turning point in your marriage. And if I may, God, I pray that you would strengthen us with courage to commit to the covenant of marriage in the same way that you keep your promises with us, knowing that your heart for us and our spouses is always for our good. It's never self-serving and it's never for our harm. And finally, I ask in Jesus' name that you would grant us clarity and correction for ourselves and love and patience for our partner. All right, guys, I hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Love is not a Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile Hey there, Evan here. I wanted to let you guys know about Courageous Conversations, a Brave Marriage Communication Workshop. 
It'll be held Saturday, October 19th in Nicholasville, Kentucky. So if you would like to participate, please visit bravemarriage.com slash courageous-conversations to sign up. Here's what a recent participant at last month's workshop had to say about her experience. I honestly thought this was a great workshop. We got a lot out of it. Courageous Conversation really helped us know where to start. We knew we wanted to have great conversations about important topics, but it's easy to get bogged down when conversations get messy and you don't know how to tackle difficult subjects. The one-on-one coaching is very unique and helpful, and you may think you know how to have tough conversations, but having a framework has made more of a difference than I realized it would. So again, to sign up for this workshop, visit bravemarriage.com courageous-conversations. It's Saturday, October 19th. If you have further questions, you can email Kinsey at kinsey at bravemarriage.com.